I, originally, it was supposed to be um, a spiritual warfare series, and I started studying some stuff um, about a month, month and a half ago, and really kind of dug into Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, and, and I, I was like, well, maybe it needs to be a relationship series. And then, and then something hit me, and I've been doing ministry for over 30 years and have never connected the two. Um, I want to talk about spiritual warfare in the context of relationships. And so that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. And it's going to be fun. It doesn't matter if you're single, dating, bitter about dating, uh, bitter about being single. I, I don't care, like bitter about being married. I, like, I don't know where you are, but this is going to be. So today we're going to do an overview. Next week, next week is going to be specifically about how spiritual warfare impacts a, a woman, a lady, and her mindset. So men, listen to me, because like, I don't got to come. If you'll show up next week, I'll teach you how to understand a woman. Spiritually, <laughs> spiritually, emotionally, that's on you, bro, all right? I put, I'm talking spiritually, okay? That's all I can help you with. And the week after that, we're going to talk to the men about, you know, why, why are men passive sometimes? Why, why are we passive? Why do we run when we should stand? And fight? Why, do, why do we fight for the wrong things? Why, do, why don't we speak up? Like, we, that's going to be a fun week. And some of the men right now are like, I'm not showing up. And your wife is like, you're coming to both services that week, baby. Both services. And we're going to go home and watch online. And then the last week, of course, the way we're going to finish it, it's going to be big. It's going to be awesome. But today, today, I just want to start out by making a statement that I don't care if you're a Christian, non-Christian, Republican, Democrat, Clemson fan, Carolina fan, you're going to have to agree with me that this is true. Men and women are different. Every once in a while, you meet a, I meet, most of the time it's a girl, she's like, oh my gosh, he's just like me. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not. You have not seen the boy's room yet, okay? He's not. Right, let me just kind of walk through a couple differences. We Visuals are fun, right? So we just got a couple of visuals here for differences, like, for, like the way women and men select shampoo. Um, how a woman chooses shampoo. Affecting <laughs> this brand, smell. What does, what does it do to the hair? Ingredients, color, quality, design, recommendation, reviews, quantity, and popularity. That's how a woman selects shampoo. A man selects shampoo by, uh, it says shampoo. <laughs> Am I right? Many of you have seen this before. Like, how do you turn a man on? How to turn on a guy? It's pretty not how to how to turn on a girl. It's, it's like, I don't know what to push here. Anyway, um, last but not least, this one's fun. Um, how to impress a woman? Compliment her, cuddle her, kiss her, caress her, love her, comfort her, protect her, hug her, hold her, spend money on her, wine and dine her, listen to her, care for her, stand by her, support her, go to the ends of the earth for her. Is that good? Is that good? Ladies, is that good? Will that work? Will that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to impress a man? Show up naked, bring beer. That's, that's about it. I mean, that. Pray and go home, right? I'm, I don't think I like that. I'm Presbyterian. Bring wine. All right, we got everybody covered. We got everybody covered. <laughs> I'm Methodist. Bring liquor. All right, we got everybody. Everybody. That's it. That's it. So, so at the end of the day, men and women are different. But one of the beautiful things about the differences between men and women is God gave us the differences not to divide us, but to draw us closer together. And 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 and. 
Instead of focusing on the differences and allowing it to drive us apart, we should allow the differences to draw us together. So today, I got three basic points that I want to cover. Now, some of y'all walked in, you look around like, oh, I don't have the outline. How many of y'all missed the outline? Okay, okay, not enough to do it again. So, so anyway, we, we, I've got three main points today um, that I want to cover, and, and these are three points. That it, when you walk out, these are the things I want us to remember as we leave. The first thing is God multiplies. God multiplies. Now, when I was a kid and I was going to church, I didn't, I didn't really want to give my life to Jesus. I can remember the invitation being given, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And thinking, no, I don't. And this is why. It had nothing to do with Jesus. It had everything to do with the people that I knew that said they knew Jesus. They were weird and not happy. No, they were weird. Like, you couldn't dance? I remember one time, we're, like, we're going to go swimming. A bunch of people in the church, youth group, we're going to go swimming. And the pastor said, y'all can't swim. Bro, I, no, I can swim. I can, no, no, that's mixed bathing. Okay, listen, man, I, was, I ain't trying to take a bath with a girl. I mean, I, want, I, mean, I mean, we could talk. Anyway, so, I mean, I want a Christian. So, <laughs> But what, do you, what do you mean mixed bathing? So we literally, everybody went, to, like there was this resort thing we went to and there was a swimming pool and we all had um, long sleeve shirts and, and just kind of got to stand there and watch other people swim. That was, that was youth group. It was awesome. It's all seven of us. <laughs> and that was the thing. You could pray and accept Jesus and, and be miserable like me and unhappy like me and not do anything fun like me. And then one day you die and it gets better. And I'm like, well, I... I don't know, and I just started reading the Bible and, and started specifically reading more about Jesus and discovered, you know what? Jesus didn't just die to get us out of hell and into heaven. He died to get himself out of heaven and into us. And with Jesus living in us, we really can have an abundant life. As Christians, we can smile, we can laugh, and we can dance despite what the Baptists think. Like, we are capable of having an abundant life. And, and God really does multiply. If you take a $20 bill, put it in your hand, and multiply it out five times, are you happy? Yes. That's what God wants to do. God wants to bring multiplication into our life. He wants to bless us. So we're going to start with the creation of the world. God created the world. How did he do it? Don't know. Don't know? Some of you are like, I know how I did it. No, you don't because you weren't here. You weren't, you weren't here. I know that God did it. Now, did he do it in six literal days? He could have. He could have. Totally could have. He's God. Did he do six time periods? Could have. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. I know that he did it, and it's freaking awesome. That's what I know. So he created, and, and he's creating all these things. And as he's creating them, you're like, why is God creating all this stuff? Which, let me push the pause button. There are people in this room that if you were honest, you can look back over the past 5, 10, 15 years of your life and where you are now and see that God was moving in so many ways, doing so many things that you were unaware of then, but you see it now and you're like, oh my God, that was amazing. God's always working in our life to do immeasurably more than we can imagine. Now there's this one part, and I've never really seen this, um, but it's really important. I got to bring it up because it's going to circle back around later. This is going to be fun. All right, here we go. Um, this is what Genesis 1, 24 and 25 says. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal. 
each producing offspring of the same kind. Now, let me just pause here, do some basic science. We're going to follow the science. Animals producing offspring of their own kind. How do animals produce? Well, it's very simple. Send a trick question. You got a boy kangaroo and you got a girl kangaroo. And the boy's got parts and the girl's got different parts. Am I, am I right so far? You, you can get canceled for saying this in 2021, but it's just, I'm following the science. And the boy with his boy parts and the girl with the girl parts makes another kangaroo with, it's either a boy or a girl with the boy or girl parts. All right, am I right? So, so you got the animals. I mean, the rabbits have this down, all right? So you got the animals, and they are doing all this reproduction. So keep that in mind. We're going to keep that right here, kind of put that right there on the shelf. We're going to come back and get that off the shelf in just a second, okay? So God's creating the world, and then he creates Adam. He's, the Bible says in John, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. That's where we get dirty old man. Um, he breathed. The breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. God just reaches down, picks up dirt, man. Now, you might be here, and you're not a Christian, or you're skeptical, and you're like, I'm not real sure that the Bible's true, and man, I get that. I've been exactly where you are, but I just want to just point out that the Bible says life begins when God, God takes dirt and breathes in, and when a man dies, he breathes out. And his life goes back to dirt. It's just, I mean, it's right there in the, in, in the scriptures. It's so clear. But God, God created this man. And, and his name is, we, we, we know his name is Adam. And then God speaks to him. And, and, and what were the first words that God, I mean, you're, you're God, the creator of the universe. You're about to speak to pinnacle your mankind. And, and you're about to say something to man. What do you say? I mean, this is, this is the first recorded conversation between God and Adam. And God told him this. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. That's not what I want you to see. I want you to focus on the first three words that God spoke to mankind. You are free. The first three words that God spoke to man is you are free. Not don't do that. Not thou shalt not. Not you really suck. It was you are free. God created us to live in freedom. Freedom from fear. Freedom from shame. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from death. Freedom from harm. Freedom. There is an incredible freedom as we walk in Christ and God wants us to live in freedom. I love the fact, thank you, I got one amen, okay, like well, one, we'll get some, y'all got to wake up today, we're about to, we're going to go somewhere, it's going to be fun. I love the fact he said, you are free to eat. That's the first five words. God is in the buffets, all right? He said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And then he goes on to tell him, but there's one tree that you can't eat from. So there's, don't miss this, lots of trees that you can eat from. One tree that you can't eat from. Don't miss this. Lots of grace, a little bit of law. Lots of grace, a little bit of law. 
We, we don't think of it that way as followers of Christ. We've been taught a lot of law, a little bit of grace. Now, I'm thankful for the little bit of law. I'm, I'm thankful for the law. So now, I don't know. Can you imagine a world without speed limits, red lights, or green lights? That would, I mean, it would be crazy. So, so we need some order, and God wants to bring order. That's the reason we have his word. He's not trying to restrict us. He's trying to help us. But he tells Adam, there's this one tree you can't eat from. And then, and then God, God, well, watch what happens. In, in Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good. It's the first time he said not good. He's creating everything, mountains, rivers, and waterfalls. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And he starts looking at Adam. He's looking, he's looking, he's like, it's, it's not good that he's alone. Because, I mean, let's face it, if he gets lost in the garden, he's never going to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> and go in a circle for the rest of his eternity, you know. Not good. He, he said, I will make a helper who is just right for him just right some of you husbands need to lean over to your wife and tell her baby you just right for me yeah I tried to set y'all up for a win I tried to get, some of y'all missed it I'm <laughs> trying to get y'all a Sunday afternoon nap you won't miss it next time will you but watch what happens after God says He's, he doesn't need to be alone. Um, so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. So, so God says it's not good for him to be alone, but before God gives him a wife, God gives him a job. God gives him a purpose. And there's a lot of work to be done. Adam's creative at the first. He's like hippopotamus, giraffe, and at the end he's like dog. Like he got bored, but... He got, I'm just saying, he had a job. Girls, if you're dating a guy and he says he's after God's heart, one way to tell is he's got a job. He can't find a job. They're giving signing bonuses at Kentucky Fried Chicken right now. My God. $500 to be like you. Here's the, here's the Colonel's secret recipe, right? So, so he, had a, he, he had a job, he had a purpose, but as he's naming these animals, I want you to see what God's doing. Because see, remember in Genesis 1, we said he created the, the boy and the girl, the, the, the one with the parts and the parts and the parts, remember? And then Adam, as he's naming, as he's naming the animals, he's like, oh, I'm going to call that like a dog. And Well, that one's got parts and that one's got... I mean, they're, they're the same, but they're different. And what? God, what are they doing? <laughs> they look happy. <laughs> then came the rabbits. Oh, okay. Well, they, they, they look really okay. Um, so all of them have a, a man. It's, and I got my. I got to get me one of those, God. I got, what, what, why don't, what about me? Like guys here, single, you're like, what about me? God hears that cry, watch what happens. Um, 
He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right. Just right, baby. See, I set you all off again. You should say it. Just say it. Just whisper it in their ear right now. You're just doing that because Pastor Pete said it. Come give him a break. <laughs> so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, which is not hard, right? Just cut on a NASCAR race and you just go, I met, I met one person. I met one person in my life that enjoyed watching NASCAR on television. <laughs> He's single. Um, but I, I, like, I can't do it. Like I'm like, turn left, turn left. I'm out. I mean, that's it, it. And you get that little hum of the racing thing. That's just beautiful, right? So he's in, he goes into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs. God said, Adam, I got something for you, but it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. He had to put Adam to sleep. Adam had to go to sleep, and he took out a rib. Don't, don't miss the symbolism. This is the first living creature that God created that he didn't create from the dust of the ground. There's something unique and special about the way he created a woman. From the rib, don't miss the symbolism there, men. Under the arm, to be protected, to be held close. It's amazing. So he, he takes this rib and he closed up the opening and then, and then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He made a, he made a woman from the rib. Now, don't miss this. Adam is asleep. God makes Eve. Eve's first relationship is not with Adam. It's with God. And it's mysterious. We don't know how long Adam was asleep. We don't know how long God spent with Eve just one-on-one. -on -one. We don't know what God specifically said to Eve. We just know that God had this relationship with Eve. God had this relationship with Adam. And then when each of them had a relationship with God, God said, now you're ready. And God brought her to the man. Now, Adam... He's kind of excited because watch what he said. At last! <laughs> this is Hebrew for, I got me one of those, all right? Yes, at last. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woe man because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one now, the man and his wife were both naked, or if you're in Texas, naked, but they felt no shame. Oh, yeah, I got some amens on that one, didn't I? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Y'all know Cole, our student pastor? He's not in the service. Y'all know why he's not in this service? Because in the last service, I told on him. A couple weeks ago, we were doing something, and I was asking people what their favorite verses, and he's like, I'm glad you didn't ask what mine was, because I would have said Genesis 2.25. <laughs> I said, which one's that? Cole? He said, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I said, I'm going to tell that story. He said, you won't do it. <laughs> Cole Farlow at mysecondchancechurch.com. Y'all email him. <laughs> tell him I heard about your favorite. He's listening right now. He's probably crawling under the building. <laughs> pray, pray for Cole. See, God multiplies. He's, he's blessing. He's bringing blessings. He's bringing blessings. He's bringing blessings. And all of a sudden, Satan divides. Take a $20 bill. You divide it out five times. Are you happy? No, especially if you could have, if you could have had it multiplied. Satan divides. Satan always, always, always divides. 
I can't tell you the number of times. Now, this is not where you amen. I'm, please don't amen. I'm not trying to set you up for an amen. If you amen, you're going to get some couch time or you're going to be mowing the yard. It's cold. You, you're, gonna, you're not going to be inside. All right, just listen to me, okay? I've talked to so many couples that have said this, and I know why they say it. Perry, Pastor Pete, they were, they were normal until I married them. And after I married them, they went crazy. <laughs> now, let me let you in on a little secret. They were crazy before you married them. In fact, marrying you brought out more of their crazy. <laughs> At what point, let me ask you a question. Are you, are, you, are you a sinful person? Do you sin pretty naturally, yes or no? Oh, so, so did your spouse. At what point did you not think there were going to be issues? We argue over stupid stuff. I just got, Shannon and I, we've been married five, six, seven months. I don't know. I got it on my calendar. <laughs> I do. I have it written down. I'm 50. I'm losing my mind. That's my excuse. <laughs> but when we got, I, we didn't know, sir. We got married. We get married. And see this, we got different philosophies about things like towels. Like this is my philosophy on a towel. When you dry off with a towel, you are clean, Correct. So it should last about a month. I mean, you, you just go a month for like, just a, okay, Shannon, Shannon's got to use two towels every time. I'm like, no, don't write. That ain't right. That's wrong. <laughs> She's half my size. I'm like, why you got to have two towels? And then they're dirty. And why we got to wash all these towels? We got to wash all these towels. You just have the towel. Like, that's what, it's a problem. Now, she would tell you, for every one I've got, she's got two. She would be like, um, she's, I got a pile of stuff. And she's like, why can't you organize that? I said, it is organized. <laughs> she said, no, it's not. I said, I know where everything is in that pile. She said, I'm going to organize it. I said, please don't. She did. <laughs> Our power got cut off because I couldn't, I couldn't pay the power. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he'll take, listen, how many couples, and you don't have to raise your hand because it's everyone, how many couples have had the dumbest fight, the dumbest fight? And let me tell you why you had the fight. Because, and this is something I've never realized until I got ready for this series. Every couple, especially Christian couple, you have this wedding and you get told the man and the woman and Jesus and you're together. But what we don't understand is when we get married, we bring in the man, we bring in the woman, we bring in Jesus, and Satan shows up too. In fact, Satan didn't show up in Genesis 2. He could have attacked Adam at any time. He could have attacked Eve at any time. Satan didn't show up until after the marriage. That's when it got crazy. So, so if you feel like things were a little bit different before we got married, we got married and things got crazy, you're on to something. It's called spiritual attack. I mean, the family's obviously under attack. Many of us know exactly what that's like. Watch what happens. Um, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. So Satan takes the form of a serpent. A lot of people are like, um, that's weird that Eve would talk to a snake. But this is before the world. I mean, we don't know what the world was like in Eden. It was, it was very different than it is now. And so 
So the serpent was shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say? I mean, Eve, we, we need to talk, did he really say that? Because it's been interpreted so many times and passed down and passed down and passed down. How do we know what he really said? Eve, do we, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? No, no God didn't say that, but see how he works. And, and of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. And the conversation should have been over. The conversation should have been over. But it wasn't. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, just a quick question. God said, if you eat fruit from that certain tree, what's going to happen to you? You will, what's this word on three? One, two, three. Die. God God said what was going to happen. Does that make God mean or loving? Makes him loving. Like, for example, if, if we're on the stage and I'm like, hey, if you take one more step, you're going to break your leg. And you step off the stage and break your leg and you call me cruel, I'm going to break your other leg because that's stupid, right? No, if I tell you what's going to happen and you do it, that's not on me. That's on you. God's saying, I don't want you to die, so don't, don't eat from the tree. Don't even touch the tree. Just stay away from it. Um, and this is what happens. Well, you won't die, the serpent replied. I mean, Eve, Eve, God is a loving, merciful God. If you do exactly what he told you not to do, you're not going to die. Quick question. Anybody talk to Eve before you came to service day? There's a reason you didn't talk to her. She did. We'll get into that in a little while. God knows that your eyes will be open. In other words, God's holding out on you, Eve. <laughs> as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. That's intense right there. The woman was convinced. I'm going to tell you why in just a second. It's, it's so obvious. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. The man's there the whole time. Man watches the whole thing. That's a problem. Why, why was he so passive? We're going to talk about that in week three. I'm going to tell you why it's, it's so hard sometimes. Because today, man, let's be honest. I mean, this is the southeastern part of the United States. If we go home and our wife's in the backyard talking to a snake, snake's dead. Am I right? At some point, you step in and you kill the snake. So why, why, why did, and a lot of people go, why did Adam eat the fruit? Naked women with fruit can make a man do anything. <laughs> put that in a meme, write it down, all right? We'll, we'll put that on social media because it is true. Then she took some and gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it too. We see three things mainly happening in this section. First of all is deception. Satan is a deceiver. Every one of us in this room have been deceived before. We've been deceived. I had a friend that she got a phone call and they told her she won a cruise um, and they just needed her bank account number and she gave it to them. And she, yeah, that, but it was deception. She didn't know. She didn't know. I'm like, you don't give your bank account number out over the phone. And it was, she was just deceived. Satan, think about how powerful he is when it comes to deception. 
Satan deceived one-third of the angels in heaven. Angels. Like in the presence of God, Satan convinced them, yeah, come to my side. He's powerful in his deception. And he deceived Eve. He said, Eve, Eve, you will be like God. Eve was already created in the image of God. But Satan convinced her that God's holding out, God's holding out on you, Eve. Deception. And there's people in this room that we, if we're not careful, will be or maybe we are being deceived by the enemy. The enemy will, will, will deceive us into thinking about something that is not true. And we got, that's why we've got to arm ourselves with studying God's word. We've got to know the truth of God's word so the enemy cannot deceive us with his lies, which leads to number two. The second thing is lies. He told Eve, he said, you won't die, Eve. But she did. Now, everybody in this room has been lied to. And, and, and we've told a few. Have we not? I'm trying to meet with the first-timers. Every Sunday, I'm trying to meet with the first-timers. First-timers. Call somebody the other day, sneaking in. Is it your first time? Yeah. It was Philip. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to pick on him because he's not here. <laughs> Satan told Eve, you will not die. And she died. Satan lies. Some of us in this room have bought in to his lies. I was talking to a, a friend of mine. Him and his wife have been married for 20, 25 years, and they've got a great marriage. I, there, there, there's, there's people that have married for a long time, and they got a great marriage, and then some have a fake marriage, right? You, and you've seen it. you got a great marriage or a fake marriage. They had a great marriage. They were legit. And I was asking them, I was like, man, have y'all always had a great marriage? And he said, <laughs> no, no, no. He said the first few years we were hanging on, but it was only to get a better grip. I mean, we were, I mean it, was, it was tough. Those first years, and I said, what? I said, was there a turning point? And he said, yeah. He said, we were fighting one day in the bathroom and like arguing, like yelling at each other, like, like yelling. By the way, once you start yelling, nothing gets solved. But we were yelling at each other, and she looked at him. He told me this. He said, she looked at me, and she said, and called him by his name. She said, I am not the enemy. And he said, that completely changed everything. Later, he said in the moment, he said, yes, you are. Because, you know, men try to win the argument instead of selling the, selling the thing. But, but that's the lie. That's the lie that we can believe about our spouse. Is our spouse is the enemy. And when we believe our spouse is the enemy, we will fight them rather than fight with them against the real enemy. There are people in this room that believe lies. You're single. And Satan's told you, you're not enough. The reason no guy will have you is because you're not enough. We're going to talk about that next week. The reason you can't take a stand for your family spiritually is because you're not enough. We're going to talk about that in week three, guys. There's people in this room that have been through divorce. And you've been told you blew your one and only opportunity. It will never ever, ever work out. In fact, the only common denominator in every failed relationship that you have is you. 
So you believe that. I can't say anything about the past. I don't know what has happened in the past. I don't know what has happened. Here's what I know. From this point on in Christ, you can have an amazing future. We just got to stop buying in to his lies. Last but not least, this is fun. Watch this. Shame and blame. Shame and blame. That's the name of mine and Phillips' country band. We're going to start touring next week. Shame and blame. He's shame. I'm blame. All right? Now, now so, so at this point, everything, like everything's gone, gone to pieces. And so verse 7 says, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame, which is what we do when we sin. We feel shame. At their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves. We do stupid stuff when we sin. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Probably didn't do a very good job, right? And, and when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they, <laughs> they hid from the Lord God among, how are you going to hide from God? Is that not stupid? You ever played hide and seek with a kid? I remember one time playing hide and seek with a kid, and they were like, and, and, and they believed that every time they closed their eyes that you couldn't see them. And I didn't know anything about kids. I'm like, hey, 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 that. And the parents are like, she thinks you can't see her. I'm like, well, that's the dumbest thing in the world. I can see her. She's standing right there. Y'all are training up this child wrong. I knew everything there was to know about raising kids until I had one. But can, they're hiding from, can you see this? Oh, there's God. Okay, Eve, let's just get down behind this little table. <clears throat> he can't see me. <laughs> they were safe. Adam! But this is what we do. We hide. It's, it's not necessarily a stand or it's not necessarily fig leaves, but we hide from God. We what do we hide behind? I mean, some of us hide behind porn. Some of us hide behind alcohol. Some of us hide behind fentanyl. Some, some, I mean, we, we, we find stuff to hide behind, do we not? And everything that we hide behind is so damaging, is it not? We hide, like some of us today, we are hiding. We, we hide under religion. Like, we won't confess our problem. We'll just... Like, really, like, we'll read our Bible more, we'll pray, and we'll raise our hands and worship, but we're not, we're not going to come out of hiding. And let me just tell you something that I've learned the hard way. If we don't come out of hiding, God won't help. I didn't say he can't. I said he won't. Until we admit, I have a problem. This is my problem. This is our problem. God, we have a problem. I mean, we can't even get saved unless we admit we're a sinner. At some point, we, we, we got to own something. So, so they're hiding from, from God, and they look ridiculous. Um, the Lord God called out to the man. Wait a minute. Who's, who sinned first, Adam or Eve? It's not a trick question. Who sinned first? Eve. But he called to the man. You know why? The man's responsible. We'll talk more about that week three. Where are you? He replied, ah, see, what happened was I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. 
I was afraid because I was naked. Now watch this next verse. I've never seen this. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree? Now, now we, we hear this, and if we got brought up in church, we hear God, and he's got his finger pointing. Who told you you were naked? You shouldn't have done it. You eat from the tree. Because that's how God is. He's on the edge of heaven with his finger pointing at us. Well, don't do that. But, but don't miss this. Adam's like, we're naked. Is he ashamed about this, yes or no? Yes. Look at God's response. Don't miss this. Who told you that? Adam, who told Man, who told you that? You're, you're my child. Nobody gets to define you, Adam. I get to define you. Nobody gets to define you, Eve. I get to define you. Let me ask you a question for those dealing with shame in the room. Who... Who told you that you would always be that way? Who told you that you could never break that addiction? Who told you because of what you went through that you're damaged goods and nobody would ever want you? Who told you that you can't change? Who told you that? Because it wasn't God. we got to start listening to the voice of God because he's not trying to catch us in sin and push us down. He's trying to help us out of the pit that we dug for ourselves. So who who told you that? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commend you not to eat? Now this is where the blame game starts. Watch this. The man replied, it was the woman See, well, how, God, listen, things were awesome, and you, you, God, he's blaming it on God. We, we do this. We blame our problems on God. God, this is your fault. I'm hurt. I'm struggling. I'm in pain. God, this is your fault. Now, listen, I'm not going to deny that there are people in pain in this room today, but like I said last week, We've got problems, but did you wake up in a house this morning? Did you have some food to eat this morning? I mean, we've got problems, but but it's, I mean, we're struggling, but at the end of the day, we got to learn how to celebrate the good things in our lives. And and I understand problems better than most. God, it was the way, I mean, God, listen, I was fine, and then you sent the naked woman with the parts, and we got together, and that was kind of good, and then she talked to the little snake, and we ate the fruit, and and you know what, God, please tell me this is the beta version. Please tell me, please tell me you got 2.0 on the way. He's blaming. have Have you ever been in a room with a couple that all they do is blame each other? That relationship will never work. If two people are obsessed with pointing out the fallacies of the other person, that relationship is going to crumble. I'm not a pessimist. I've just been around for a while. It it was the woman you gave me. I mean, it's your fault. It's her fault. God turns to Eve. Got anything to say for yourself, Eve? Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent. So Eve's charismatic because she blames it on the devil. Some people blame everything on the devil. Devil made me do it. My car wouldn't crank this morning. It was the devil. No, you don't have gas, stupid. That's what the problem is. It's not the devil. It's not the devil. It's that you're dumb. That's that. Put gas in the car. Quit rebuking Satan. Your car is not going to start. 
Eve blamed the devil. Now, let, let's, let's, let's be honest. The devil gets blamed for way too much. We get our idea of what Satan and demons can do from Hollywood. Um, I, I don't know if y'all got Netflix. I, I got Netflix, and you can kind of scroll across Netflix. And you, I don't like the feature that they got on it where you stop on a movie, and it starts playing the movie within five. You know what I'm talking about? It starts playing it. Okay, because we're scrolling through the other night, and I accidentally stopped on The Conjuring. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way in the world I would ever watch that movie from start to finish, ever, in any condition. You don't have a big enough bar. You don't have enough weed. You don't, I mean, I am not watching that movie. For, for, for $10 million, well, for $10 million, I might. But anyway, I mean, I'm just saying, that's, but that's where we get our idea of Satan and demons. We, we, you know, Because in every one of those movies, right, what happens to the priest when he, he gets the absolute crap beat out of him by the two-year-old girl that's demon-possessed? She's throwing him all around the room, and that's where we get our ideas about Satan and demons, but here's what we need to understand. Satan can influence you. He cannot control you. He is limited. He, listen, he, he is limited. He is not like God. He, listen, if Satan is in Anderson, he cannot be in Belton. He is limited. He's not like God who is omnipresent, omnipowerful, and he can, him and his demons can influence us, but they cannot control us. So the devil gets blamed. At the end of the day, if a relationship is going to excel, each of the people in that relationship have to own their part of the problem. Own it. Even if it's only 5%, you own your 5% and let, the, let your spouse take the, I mean, as, as long as we're blaming and not owning what we did, that's going to crumble a relationship. Shame and blame. We shame our spouse and we blame our spouse and it will not work, which leads to number three, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Now, my favorite sport to watch on television is football, specifically college football. Pro football is good, but I love college football. I watch, I watch two teams I don't even care about because I love college football. My favorite sport to play is pickup basketball. I love playing basketball. Um, I, I used to play in a, in a, like a church league and I had to quit and I didn't have to quit cause I'm old and I didn't have to quit cause I'm not in shape and I didn't have to quit cause I wasn't good. Cause I was decent. I was, I was, I had to quit because let, it was not good for my testimony. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> cause I'm going to tell y'all something about Pastor P. All right. Just listen, if we play a game, I'm going to win. And, and, and you say, were y'all bad? No, we, we lost one game in three years. But if we won by 10, we should have won by 20. If we won by 20, we should have won by 40. I, I, I'm, not one of these believe, I'm not one of these believers that think if you're up by 20, you should put in your second string. I think you could, can we put 100 on them? Can we hang a 200 on them, right? I'm not that guy that, that's going to tell the child, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Uh-uh, that's a Carolina fan. That's who that is. It's... <laughs> It's, it's, you got to win. I'm in this thing. Like, if I come, listen, when Karis and I, when she was a kid, would play shoots and ladders, 
I would have to watch it because I'd be like getting my game face on going, we're going to play shoots and ladders. I'm going to and old maid, I, I will come across the table at you on some old maid. <laughs> if we're playing spades and you're not paying attention and you cause us to miss one, we are going, I got to win. I want to win. Everything I do, I'm competitive. I want to win. Now, some of y'all are like, you need therapy. I already done it. I got my certificate. I graduated. Here's what I'm trying to say, though. This is the reason I want to follow Christ. Because when it's all over and the smoke clears and the battle is won, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. And if Jesus lives in me, then guess what? I get to win. And if Jesus is at the center of a couple, guess what? We win. We're on the winning team. You know how I know? It's because of what God said in Genesis 3. Now, God's speaking to Adam. God's speaking to Eve, and he's talking about consequences. We can talk about those over the next two weeks. It's going to be so much fun. I hope you come back. But this is what he says to Satan. And this is huge. He says, he will crush your head. You will strike his heel. This right here blows up the myth that a Christian will never suffer. That, that type of teaching has destroyed the faith of so many people. A Christian will never suffer. Because God makes this statement. This statement, for, if, if you're looking for a theological term, it's called the Proto-Evangelion. It's the first prophecy about Jesus in the scripture. And notice this, and you will strike his heel. As we look at the life of Jesus, did Satan strike his heel? Absolutely. I'm talking about his whole life, but he's, he's less than two years old and Herod tried to have him killed. Everywhere he goes in life, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're hunting him. They're trying to trap him. One of his closest friends betrayed him and he was arrested. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was crude. The people that spit on him, he created the glands in their mouths that they used to spit on him. you got some confusion. Listen, that's not called being bad. That's called being human. It comes with a territory. But I want you to know that in Christ, even though Satan has struck your heel, you in Christ can strike his head because Jesus got up from the grave. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then guess what, sir? You win. Guess what, ma'am? You win. Guess what, mom and dad? You win. Guess what, husband and wife? You win. Guess what, single person? You win. 
We in Christ, we don't lose. We don't hang our heads. We don't apologize. We hold our heads up high. We walk in victory. We own the fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose from the grave not so we could just have a piece of jewelry, but so that we can walk in victory. And at the end of the day, there is nothing better than Him. There is no one better than Him. There is nothing in the world that can help and heal us like Jesus Christ. I want us to get on our feet. I want us to clap our hands. I want us to celebrate. I want us to say, Jesus, thank you. And you take my grave and turn it into a garden. Jesus so many of us God that we can sing that today and we can sing it with so much joy in our hearts because we know that there's nothing better than you but that those there's those of us in this room that we're struggling God we're struggling with relationship issues we're struggling with personal issues we just feel so beat down beat up confused and father I pray that right now in this moment that you would just speak to every heart and life in this room and watching online and just remind us Jesus you've got this whole world in your hands at the end of the day if we are walking in you you can you can make up God you can make it all turn it all for the good the confusion the pain the hurt the doubt the fear the shame God you can change it as we continually surrender our lives to you heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you don't know Christ and you realize today that you need a relationship with him then right where you are right now I want to invite you to pray and ask Jesus into your life I want to invite you to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life and take over and if that's you right where you stand right now you can pray this prayer in your heart you can say Jesus Christ I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins right now Jesus I receive you into my life come in and take over I give it all to you with heads bowed and eyes closed if you just prayed if you just prayed that prayer if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ I want you to do me a favor and I want you to shoot your hand straight up in the air and hold it up really high hold thank you so much sir really high thank you so much really high really high Father, I want to thank you so much for these hands that are in the air. I want to thank you, Jesus, that every single time we get together, you bring death to life. You speak and people come to life. I want to thank you today for the life that that has been born today, the people that have been made brand new. Thank you. Jesus, I also want to thank you for the hope that you've spoken into us today. Father, I pray if there's somebody in the room that needs help, God, today they would be led to ask for help. God, I pray if there's somebody in the room today struggling, they would be willing to admit that they're struggling. Father, I pray that if there's somebody in the room that's confused, they would walk out of this room today knowing, Jesus, that even though things aren't great in the moment, eventually, because they're in your hands, you will take all things and work them for our good. You are a good God that wants good things for his children. Thank you that you multiply. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you that in you we win and we can hold our heads high knowing that nothing and no one is greater than you. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. I'll see y'all back next Sunday. Y'all have a great week.